Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. I didn't know we were going to get not only on announcements, but a comedy routine. She's, we, we, sign her up. So I sign her up. If for, uh, Steph mentioned, uh, I try to keep everybody updated. Oh, not every week, but most weeks I do send out an email to everybody. And if you don't get that and you would like to, you can send me an email at the new address there at Cascade Vineyard, and I'll add you. So I think probably most of you guys get it if you're at home and you don't get that. Let me know if you'd like to. So, uh, yeah, Advent, we've been working our way as uh, most churches have been this last month. Uh, through the various themes of Advent, Advent, and we are in the final week of that today. Uh, we have looked at hope, peace, joy, and today we're going to talk about love. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll, we'll jump right into that. Jesus, thanks so much for, uh, again, your love for us, and I just pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts this morning, that we might really receive uh, what you have for us in your word today. In your name we pray. Amen. So I want to talk about this morning, obviously, what is the uh, greatest act of love ever. What we call in the church world the incarnation. The uh, process of God becoming a person. And entering into the world uh, to be with his people. The, the irony of that is that throughout almost all of history, from that day on, uh, that that people... This stand is bugging the heck out of me. Oh, look at that. Uh, People have projected their expectations back onto God, and effectively what has happened and what does happen often culturally and in, in different places and times throughout history is that Uh, we human beings tend to create God in our image. Uh, We we like to have a God that looks like us. Uh, In the 1970s, if you would go ahead and put uh, that picture up there, that's uh, in the 1970s, that picture, that exact picture was on the wall of virtually every church in America. That exact picture was on the wall of the church I grew up in. And uh, I like to call that Surfer Jesus, because it was the 1970s. Uh, I was living in Southern California at the time. Jesus, you'll note there, has uh, kind of that sun-bleached hair that happens when, you, when you're at the beach a lot. Uh, he's got a nice tan going. Uh, he's got that rugged jawline, nicely trimmed beard. And if, it's, it's probably a little dark to see, but Jesus has blue eyes, which is uh, unique for Middle Eastern folk to have blue eyes, but he does. Jesus looks uh, in that picture just almost exactly like any one of 
Many, many guys you would have seen, if you'd have been wandering around Huntington Beach in the 70s, uh, you would inevitably have encountered that person. In fact, if you were wandering around Huntington Beach in the 70s, go ahead, go to the next slide, you would have probably encountered that person. Um, my friends used to say, uh, Schroeder, we can't figure out if you're Jesus or Charlie Manson. And I just... Uh, come on. Okay, go ahead. Go one more. Just get that out of there. All right, thank you. Um, no. <laughs> Do not go back. It was the 70s. I, I mean, what, what, you know, what are you supposed to do? Uh, good grief, we've lost all control. Uh, throughout much of history, uh, so, so we've, cr we've created God in our image. And, and throughout much of history, especially the first five centuries of history, up until, really up until the last century, and even then to some degree, but uh, women had very little opportunity for education. Uh, and and uh, so consequently, men were educated and men did all of the theologizing. So if you uh, study church history, you read theology, a lot of the early works are all written by men, uh, which I'm just going to go on record and say today, I, I'm so blessed uh, currently. The, the current scholarship that's happening, uh, some, of, some of the female authors that are writing uh, theological works today, just so, so good. When we were going through Ruth, I studied uh, a couple books by a, a female author that were just such a blessing to me. So uh, that has shifted and changed a little bit. But throughout much of history, men did all the, the, the writing and the theologizing. So consequently, they created a God who behaved like they would if they were God. That's really what we did. Men felt stronger if they were independent, if they were a little bit aloof. Uh, you know, you could stand on your own two feet. You're kind of strong. You didn't need a lot of help from anyone. You're very emotionless. Uh, you never suffered and you never, ever cried. Uh, that's what men did. And so they would create a God that looked a little bit like that. Uh, men knew you get what you want if you kind of puff your chest out and get loud and threaten violence. I'll kick your... Right? That's how it works. Um, Consequently, <laughs> that's where the notion <laughs> comes from, that things like natural disasters and or global pandemics are God's judgment. It's that projection of, of you know, you wait till your father, oh wait, I am your father. Uh, here, take that. That's kind of the idea that men put back on God and say, oh, this must be God's judgment over here because those guys or these guys have been misbehaving. Um, so, all through history, people believe in a God that looks like them. He looks like us. He's on our side. He protects our nation. And he kills our enemies. That's what our God does. Jesus came into the picture and said, you heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Even after... Uh, Advent, after the arrival of Jesus, Western thinking continued uh, somewhat to be along those lines. People still wanted a God that looked like them and continued to really create a God in our image. Um, God was not created in our image. He did come to be with us, though. That's uh, what we celebrate at Christmas. Emmanuel is God with us. Um, 
Romans 9 says he's the Messiah who is the God over all. Titus 2 says our, he's our great God and Savior. And John 1, of course, says the Word was with God and the Word was God. He's the Lord and Alpha and the Omega, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is God over all, and he took the form of a human being. Um, and so when we take a step back and we ask the question, what is God really like? The answer is God is really just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. The author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And in that regard, he's nothing like the God that some of us have created in our own image. He's not controlling at all. In fact, he honors the, the dignity and the choice that he provides for every person. Um, to me, one of the most profound passages in, in the whole New Testament is Jesus' exchange with the rich young ruler when at the end of that it says uh, he walked away sad. The rich young ruler walked away and Jesus let him go. He, he didn't run after him. He didn't force him to come back. He didn't yell at him. He just let him go. Um, at the end of his life, Jesus was crucified. And even in that moment, he didn't try to control those people that were crucifying him. He said at one point, you know, I could snap my fingers and my dad would send 12 legions of angels. But he didn't do it. He, he, he didn't do it. To me, that is the picture of true strength, to know that you have that kind of power and authority and to not exercise it. In in our lives, in, in, you know, kind of human life, the need to control comes from a place of uh, being weak and being scared. And Jesus was never weak and never scared. Uh, what, what he was, though, was vulnerable. He came into the world as a baby, and there's really no more vulnerable place than that as an infant, when you are completely, totally, 100% dependent upon others for survival. Um, it's, it's profound when you think about it. Jesus, as he grew, showed emotion. Uh, real men don't cry, but Jesus did cry. He's vulnerable, he's passionate, he's compassionate. He enters into people's lives, and he allows people into his life. And when you read Jesus' exchanges with like Zacchaeus or the woman at the well or Mary and Martha and Lazarus and their family, you see that he, he really engages in people's lives and he, he, he comes, in, comes close to them and he really uh, gets to know them and lets them know him. Uh, he doesn't, you know, puff out his chest and get big and loud and spew threats at people. He I just identifies with who they are, where they are. Uh, you know, he was a baby who became a king, and his kingdom is not of this world. It looks nothing like the other kingdoms that we're aware of. It's not nationalistic. It's not tribalistic. It's all-encompassing. Everyone's invited. Everyone's included. It's not partisan. He loves everyone equally. There's no left or right in the kingdom of God. Um, he does many times the exact opposite of what people expect him to do. And I think that's what got him crucified, really. Uh, 
People thought they were crucifying Jesus because he was not the powerful God that they wanted him to be. Uh, you know, he, he was weak and vulnerable and soft. Uh, and next slide. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. He did everything he did intentionally on our behalf. They thought he was weak when they crucified him and they had no idea that what they were actually witnessing was the most profound act of strength that anyone would ever see. To go to the cross on behalf of his friends. It was a strength that didn't need to control other people, didn't need to coerce other people into following him. It was a strength that doesn't need to get big and loud. It's a strength that uh, to our natural minds makes no sense at all. It's a tiny baby, God of the universe. He was, (laughs) you know, born to a impoverished, unwed teenage girl. Baby. We carry with him the stigma of being illegitimate throughout most of his life. He spent his ministry not hobnobbing with bigwigs, but hanging out with lowlifes. Powerful people like to hang out with other powerful people because those people can give them more power and more influence. They're always looking for that, you know, quid pro quo. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You do this for me, I'll do that for you. Jesus hangs out with people that completely destroyed his reputation. Oh, he eats with sinners. When Jesus was born, God hung a star in the sky, and who shows up? Shepherds. (laughs) dirty, stinky, socially unacceptable shepherds. And you ask, what kind of God is this? And my answer would be, it's not a God of man's making. No one would create this story. But this is what love looks like. Uh, Love wins, and I'm stealing the title of Rob Bell's book there for a minute, but love wins not by taking from others, but by sacrificing itself on behalf of others. Love wins uh, not by killing its enemies, but by laying itself down for its enemies. Love wins not by being big, but by being small. Love wins by not exercising power over people and squishing them, but by coming under people and lifting them up and washing their feet and preferring them over themselves. Love is the most powerful force in the universe. It does what uh, laws and threats and guns and bombs can't do because love alone can make an enemy a friend. Love alone can make people uh, drop their defenses and embrace one another. Love alone can... Soften a hardened heart, can heal a broken heart, and can forgive a darkened heart. Love alone Where does it come from? 
It, can, it comes only from one source. Jesus is the source of that kind of love. Uh, he was born as a baby, died as a criminal, and rose again. <coughs> Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. I just want us to uh, meditate on that for a minute. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. We're going to close with a song of worship. Um, but what I'd like you guys to do during this time is really just to contemplate the love of Christ uh, for you today. We focus a lot here on ministry and, and caring for others and loving others. And I think that's rightfully so. It's it's really the mandate that we've been given as a church and as a movement. But this morning as uh, we kind of wrap up Advent and we prepare the, to go home today and then spend the next few days getting ready for our Christmas celebrations together. I just want you to think about how much God loves you. Uh, how special you are to him. That everything we said this morning was done on your behalf. So Jesus, let your love uh, touch the hearts of your people today. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.